Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Fight fans, we welcome you in to a special edition of Inside Boxing Live. We are not in studio, as you can see. We are here from Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar, located right in the heart of New York City, just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden, where we will be Saturday night for one of the biggest cards remaining on the schedule is a triple header brought to you by Top Rank Boxing. Headlined by Terrence Crawford going up against Mean Machine. Don't know how to say his name. I don't think anyone does. We're calling him Mean Machine. Richard Comey against Teofimo Lopez in the fight that everyone has circled. And, of course, Mick Conlon looking for redemption going up against Vladimir Nikitin. Mick Conlon will join us in just a few minutes here at Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. It is an Irish bar. We have one of the best Irish fighters in the game, so we'll get Mick Conlon's thoughts on what should be an emotional fight for him. If you don't know the storylines, get caught up. Vladimir Nikitin defeated Mick Conlon. I'm going to put it in air quotes. Defeated Mick Conlon at the 2016 Olympic Games, a fight that everyone thought that Mick Conlon won. He wanted this fight for a long time. He wanted redemption, and he will get will get word from Mick Conlon in just a little bit. A lot going on in the boxing world. As you know, the boxing world still buzzing off of that AJ and Ruiz rematch that we saw this past weekend in Saudi Arabia. Big fight feels out in the desert. Uh, we were up at, at 12 noon Eastern. I logged on to Twitter. Everyone was pumped up for this fight. 12 o'clock noon, we got our first fight uh, of the afternoon. I love that. It just had a different feel to it. The fact that they were across the other side of the world uh, where fights usually don't take place in, in Saudi Arabia, and it was the rematch. It was the biggest rematch in the heavyweight division in the last 15 to 20 years. Was it the most exciting fight? Did it live up to the hype? Depends on what your style or what you like uh, in, in the boxing world. It was... A 12-round decision that went to the way of Anthony Joshua. No knockdowns in the fight. Not a lot of drama in the fight. But the main takeaway was Anthony Joshua got the win. He went in there and he outboxed Andy Ruiz. And you have to give credit to Anthony Joshua. Got the win. He gets the belts back. Matchroom is, is back in, in, in business there. DAZN, it's good for DAZN. It's good for the, the, the world of boxing. It's good for the boxing world. Anthony Joshua is arguably the biggest star uh, in boxing outside of Canelo. He gets his titles back. And we're going to dive into it right now. Some winners and losers from Anthony Joshua and Uri's rematch. Obviously, the biggest winner was Anthony Joshua. He did exactly what he had to do in there. He executed the game plan to perfection. Some numbers for you right now. 65 of 107 uh, landed punches were jabs for Anthony Joshua. 93% of the fight was fought from distance. Because of that, it limited Ruiz to just 5 of 22 per round. Five landed punches, 22 thrown punches for Andy Ruiz, who was gigantic in, in the ring. Obviously, a lot of the fight, the talk leading up to this was about Andy Ruiz's weight. He touched the scales at 283 pounds. It set Twitter off. It set Boxing World on fire, speculating about, is he doing this on purpose? Is it, is, it, is it fat? Is it muscle? Is, does he have weights in, in his sombrero? You heard everything. Oh, he's a fat guy. He's, he, he can always fight like that. He's a fat guy that can throw his hands. Turned out he was a fat guy that could not throw his hands. And I think we're going to touch on that in a little bit, that Andy Ruiz is going to have a ton of regret when he realizes that the opportunity that he just squandered. But it's all about Anthony Joshua. He was able to do what he had to do in there. You have to give him, take your hat off to Anthony Joshua and how he fought. Uh, this fight completely changing well, not completely but you know changing the game plan executing the game plan changing his body type cutting 15 pounds boxing in there and moving at this stage in his career very impressive that's another thing another winner uh, from this fight is Anthony Joshua's reputation he was written off by many not just for his skills but his mental capacity after what happened in New York City a lot of people said he had a panic attack a lot of people said he just laid an egg a lot of people said that he might be done and this is the end of his career he showed that this is not the end of his career. He showed, they say that, how you bounce back. And we're also going to have Lennox Lewis. I, I can't believe I, I buried the lead there. Lennox Lewis is going to join us on this show as well, and we'll get his thoughts. He overcame a loss in his career as well. It came a few losses, but Haseem Rockman. 
how did Lennox Lewis respond to that by knocking him out? We talked to Lennox about that. But the same thing with Anthony Joshua. There were a lot of parallels between their two careers, a lot of parallels between this, these, those two fights. But, you know, he didn't do a lot of media, Anthony Joshua. He redid his body. He lost 15 pounds. And he came in there and he got the W. And that's why he was celebrating so much in the ring afterwards. You can see that just that, like, that sense of relief and that just like all the hard work that he put in for the last six months, all the criticism that he had to face. He came out of this, his reputation intact. As he's another big winner from this. Obviously, another big winner, zone and Matchroom. We'll start with Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn, Ikes, he went nuts in the ring afterwards. He was crying, he was jumping, he was laughing, he was rapping. You see it on, on the No Context Hearn uh, uh, Twitter account. He was everything you thought he would be when he got his world titles back into the Matchroom stable. This is great for Matchroom. Think about it. Their, their top guy is the biggest earner outside of Canelo, or maybe he's even more now in the boxing business. This is great for Matchroom. It allows them to keep doing big fights. It allows them to, to, to make the biggest fights possible, and you're going to see that in, in 2020. And also a big winner was DAZN. I mean, they need, they need Anthony Joshua. They are in the Anthony Joshua business. They made a sizable investment in Anthony Joshua. They need that to play off. They need Canelo to keep winning and Joshua to keep winning for DAZN and their whole enterprise to keep moving. They are the big winners. And also Rob McCracken, uh, AJ's promo, uh, promoter, AJ's trainer, who many wanted fired. He executed the, he installed a game plan, his fighter executed, hats off to Rob McCracken. Let's go over to the losers. Andy Ruiz obviously is your biggest loser. See what I did there? Uh, he, he came in at 283 pounds, probably close to 300 pounds come fight night if he kept eating uh, throughout the, the night and day, like he said. But not only that is, he just didn't have a game plan. What was Andy Ruiz's game plan? Did not cut off the ring like he did in the first fight. Didn't have a plan B, didn't let his hands go. What was he doing in there? And you got to think that he's having a world of regret right now. Think about what's going through his mind. He, he posted a video uh, to Instagram where he said, you know, I party too much. He said it after the fight too, right in front of his, his trainer, uh, Manny Robles. I party too much. I drank too much. I put on too much weight. I didn't train properly. Uh, we hear this a lot from fighters with their excuses. This was at an all-time level. Of, I don't know if they're excuses or just hard truths. He didn't beat around the bush. He just said, yes, I got too fat. I didn't train. Everything you heard, all the speculation you heard about seeing me with cars, seeing me partying, it was all true. I partied too much and I ultimately paid the price. And it's just, it's just, it's unfortunate because a lot of people uh, latched on to Andrew Ruiz, especially the Mexican community. And he just lived up to every, all the bad reputations of, of years past, of, of boxing past. You look Buster Douglas, he was Buster Douglas reincarnated, throw on 20 more pounds. A one hit wonder is Andrew Ruiz or will he come back? And, and try to get those titles back. I fully expect him. This was a wake-up call for him. He wants to taste the more money. Like they say, more money, more problems. He wants to make more money. In order to do that, he's going to have to lose at least 30 pounds if he wants to take his, his career seriously. Because there are a lot of big fights remaining for Andy Ruiz. Uh, Deontay Wilder is in his fight stable with the PBC. That fight can easily be made. Another loser, and I hate to say loser, but maybe uh, a disappointment, was Manny Robles and Andy Ruiz Sr., they lost control of the situation. Robles wanted Ruiz at a, in camp a lot earlier than he showed up. He wanted Ruiz to train harder, and he didn't. He said it right after the, the fight in the, in the post-fight press conference. He apologized to Manny Robles right there. I mean, you could see the look on Manny Robles' face. He was pissed. He was uh, disappointed, almost more than, than uh, Ruiz. But how about Ruiz's dad? He did an interview, I think, with Boxing Social. He said that he was with his Rolls Royce. <laughs> He had his friends. He was throwing parties and not listening to the camp. He was running by himself, and I don't think Andy Ruiz ran at all. Uh, we were in a house in Manhattan Beach that he could have came with, stayed with us. He stayed in his own house, and he wanted to stay with his friends. He wanted to run by himself. It was the worst camp that he can possibly be doing. Just sobering stuff from Team Ruiz. Just so disappointing, and it, it's just unfortunate. But we'll maybe we'll see Andy Ruiz bounce back. And finally. The biggest loser from all this, or maybe not all this, but a, a loser nonetheless, is Deontay Wilder. His path to a unification bout just got a lot harder. If it was Andy Ruiz who came out of it, there were talks, and, and this came right from Deontay Wilder, that they were going to look for a, Mayf a Cinco de Mayo unification bout between Andy Ruiz and Deontay Wilder, all four belts on the line, Fox pay-per-view. It would have been tricky, because what does that mean for, for Fury? But in long story short, this makes it a lot harder for Deontay Wilder to live by that mantra of one face, one name, one champion. Because that fight with Anthony Joshua is going to be really hard to make, especially with the business ramifications with the zone. They don't have pay-per-view. 
Uh, they have to drastically change that if they want to make collaborations with Tyson Fury and uh, with Andy Ruiz. But Deontay Wilder, it's unfortunate for him because now he wants to, to unify. It's pretty obvious he wants to unify. It's going to be tough with Anthony Joshua because after the fight, Anthony Joshua did not bring up Deontay Wilder's name. Deontay Wilder did happen to go off on the performance of Anthony Joshua, and that's something that we'll talk with Lennox Lewis. But coming up next, here on Inside Boxing Live, we're going to sit down with the man, Mick Conlon. He has a big fight coming up, and that interview drops next. Our next interview on Inside Boxing Live is brought to you by Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden and Times Square. Go into Jack Doyle's for all your entertainment needs. From happy hours to birthday parties to private events, Jack Doyle's has you covered. Once again, that's Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located on 240 West 35th Street. Right now, being joined by the man. We're in an Irish bar right now. We're in Jack Doyle's bar, and it's only fitting that I have one of the best Irish fighters in the game right now, Mick Conlon. First of all, that sweatshirt is yeah. just popping off the screen. I yeah. love that right there. Thank you. How's everything going, man? It's going good. Um, training's went brilliant. I'm looking forward to Saturday night to put on a big performance. Right, Saturday night. Big fight for you. Redemption is on your shirt. Redemption has been the storyline for this fight. I love a big storyline coming into fights. It yeah. what makes the sport so great. Obviously, Vladimir Nikitin is a guy that you have faced. Now, this will be the third fight with you. It'll be the seventh round together. Of course, the biggest fight you guys have is at the 2016 Olympic Trials. I know you don't like to talk about it, yeah. but I mean, you ha I feel like it's going to be asked a lot during this fight week, a fight that many thought you won. Uh, it, it robbed you from what you want, your ultimate dream. And I thought that was interesting. It wasn't, you said your ultimate dream was not just to win a world title. It was to be an Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. You know, your, your thoughts heading into this fight, which clearly is not just, just another fight for you. Yeah, listen, my, my dream was to ultimately be, you know, Olympic champion and, and that was to go away from in Rio, but, you know, I, I'm happy now, I'm, I'm in a good place, you know, I look back on, on what happened as a, as a blessing in disguise, you know, where I am now, I probably wouldn't be in this position even if I was Olympic champion, so, um, yeah, I, I'm grateful for everything that's happened so far and, and I'm grateful for, for Rio, what happened in Rio, because it's now set up, you know, a tremendous fight, you know, for me in, in, in Madison Square Garden here in New York, you know, I, I'm happy, I'm ready. Yeah, your sixth fight at Madison Square Garden. You just said that things would be different, you think, if you would have won the gold. How do you figure? Yeah. Well, if you look at it, you know, you've got Olympic gold medalists, Olympic silver medalists, all have boxed on my undercards. Yeah. You know, I haven't boxed on any of their undercards yet. So, you know, I think, you know, the storyline, the kind of injustice people resonated with it around the world and uh, it kind of crossed over so you know, it's it's helped me in terms of the my, my media kind of outlet in, in the professional game right. and uh, my, my knownness to the general public yeah I mean turning a negative into a positive is is something that happens in life all the time and when you threw up those double birds yeah the world took notice I mean there was one thing that came positive out of this was right there on your sweatshirt 100 percent they're on seal now by the way as well so get yours now on box roll yeah I'm not to but, get me one of those but we ran the stats on the fight obviously we do a lot of the company box in that fight with, with uh, Nikitin and you outlanded him 89 to 75 the last round was the decisive one which many thought and you outlanded him 31 to 21 you threw 126 punches yeah. in that that third decisive decisive round do you feel like you're going to go back? Do you go back and look at that fight? Or do you feel like this is... Is it the seventh round or is it the first round of the third fight? No, it's the first round. It's the first round of the third fight. And it's going to be completely different. In the amateurs, you know, I knew... I couldn't make the fight so much easier for myself. But I knew... We knew scores throughout. And I had to change tactics yeah. and do different things. But, you know, I, I could have made it... I could have beat him a lot easier than what I actually did. But, you know, despite... You know what happened despite everything that happened this guy's beat me twice so i've got to go and focus and, and ready and i've been in training for this fight that i took a few weeks off after my last one i've been in this for 14 weeks so yeah. you know i've i've give everything i've given my whole life to this camp and, and i'm ready to go in there and show that on, on saturday night what was it like you this fight was supposed to take place in august yeah. and obviously he had an injury and that fight uh fell out what was it like you know mentally having preparing for that fight and then a fight that you wanted so yeah. badly and then it has to be delayed now for what four more months yeah well listen i didn't think it was going to be a possibility after august because you know i didn't think he would be ready in time to be my next fight and right. if he wasn't my next fight it wasn't going to happen but you know if i'm honest the kind of mindset this fight has got me in for for my training camp and, yeah. and how i've trained has been brilliant has been a blessing in disguise even before even when he pulled out 
I, I, I didn't care because I, I was in that mindset where it's, you know, I've got to go in and do a demolition job, I've got to go in and look good. And I kind of added levels to my training, I thought, and, and went to new levels in the gym. And, you know, that, that was, I was actually very happy with that. So the fact that he pulled out, it didn't bother me. It maybe showed that, you know, there is another, another, another few levels to go through. And the fact that I was able to get that out of myself in the training camp, I put it down to the fight being made. So um, it's continued on in the list and it's went even more levels up. So that's that's something to be excited about for me. That was quite the scene in Belfast fighting in front of your hometown. I mean, the, the outdoor arena place looked amazing. I got some more stats for you that you're going to... This is pretty crazy right here. You're, you have outlanded your opponents in 38 consecutive rounds. And 28 of those rounds, opponents have landed just in single, single digits. <laughs> it's good. It's, it's the name of the game, isn't it? Hit, hit and don't hit, get hit. Hit and don't get hit. You know, boxing's about, you know, hit and don't get hit and getting out of the game with everything intact. So, you know, I think I'm on track to doing it the nice way. Got to keep that streak going. That's 100%. an impressive streak. But the, when I think of that, and obviously you're an Irish fighter and it's who you are, there's so many stereotypes with Irish fighters as they're just brawlers. They're guys that yeah. just come forward. They'll take three punches to land one. Yeah. You're kind of debunking that stereotype <laughs> of Irish fighters. Yeah, listen... Irish guys are just known for you know, having, having a few drinks and getting in the tear-ups, you yeah. know what I mean? And, and you know, I think, for me as an amateur, all, all my kind of life, my father instilled in me that the boxing was the hitting up yet, and, and I kind of took that and, and went with it throughout my whole career, and you know, I've continue, continued to end the professional game. Yeah, now, um, your career-wise now, I know you're, you're gunning for that, that world title. Number one ranked contender in, by the WBO. Yeah. In your weight class, Shakur Stevenson is, is, is the titleist here. Where do you see yourself with 2020? Obviously, you don't want to look yeah. past this fight here, but if everything goes right and you keep this train moving, yeah. title fights are is right around the corner. I know I'll be world champion in 2020, but I don't even like to think about anything because I did promise myself before this training camp started that I would only solely focus on you know what's ahead because if I don't win on Saturday night, you know, the big fights don't happen in 2020 and world titles don't come. So yeah. you know, I've got to go out there and perform, and, and that's my main focus this Saturday. And what do you think about Shakur Stevenson? Do you think he'll, he looks like he's going to have a fight with Warrington? Maybe he'll vacate yeah. and move up. Like he's talked about moving up. That can fast track you to a title even faster. You can get, you can get in there and it'll be an opening for a vacant title. Or do you want to face Shakur Stevenson? Isn't that, I'll face whoever the champion is at the time, whether it's vacant, whether he's the champion. I don't care who it is. Um, I know when my chance comes and I fight for the world title. That I will be victorious, not grab both hands. Now, you talked about being hit and, and not getting hit and, and doing the hitting. That's the, yeah. the, the, the name of the game in the sweet science. Heavyweight fight this past weekend. Anthony yeah. Joshua performed hit and dunk it. He looked like Floyd Mayweather in there, but just uh, 237 pounds this time. He, yeah. he came in, in light. What were your thoughts on, on that heavyweight fight that took I was, place? I was very impressed. Um, I was very impressed. It wasn't it wasn't like it was an entertain, like a really entertaining fight, but... You had that kind of anticipation of any time he gets hit, he he could go here. So they were glued to it no matter what. But for me, I, I was really impressed because I didn't believe Joshua could, could box like that for 12 rounds. He's a big guy, a lot of muscle. Yeah. Looks like he fatigues a lot in previous fights. So the fact that he was able to go in there and change his whole game plan and do, do his thing, you know, it was impressive. It is impressive to, to just... I mean, there were a lot of talks about how he had to change his game plan. Uh, another thing with, with Joshua is the mindset. A guy that just got embarrassed like that. Is expectation. The expectation on that man's shoulders, the pressure on that man's shoulders. Yeah. Let's be honest, he, he's he's the probably Barkanel when he's the face of boxing. Absolutely. And for me I think him winning is, is better for boxing than, than Ruse in terms of a commercial ways. It's and, funny, I thought and, the same and, thing. And gen, general public ways, right. you know, it's 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 he attracts people, he attracts you see it you see in the UK, you know, everybody is like the next generation, and that's that's all from AJ from the 2012 Olympics. Yeah. He's brought a kind of yeah. up, and boxing, I think, in, uh, in Ireland, the UK, is the fastest growing sport now. Okay. So even though boxing's always been up there, yeah. it's growing even more, and, and normal people are getting involved. So that's that's only really good for for fighters, and, and you know, when the money comes in the top, it's exactly. And everybody. I, that's funny. I was thinking the same thing. Watching the fight, I was watching with some friends, and they're like, "Who do you want to win?" And I was like, "I really don't." Have a, a, I don't have a rooting interest when I watch fights. I'm part of the media and what I do at CompuBox. But I was like, the back of my mind, what's better for, for the sport of boxing is is Joshua winning. I mean, he's yeah. the face of the sport, and it obviously showed because Ruiz did, didn't take the fight seriously. But looking at Joshua's new style, do you think that will resonate with the fans? Because a lot of guys looked at him as that like seek and destroy type of fighter, and now he's more of a boxer. Will that resonate with the British fans or the UK fans? But they are knowledgeable fans. Yeah, I, I'm not too sure it will, but I think a lot of I've seen a lot of people criticize him. But I also seen a lot of people give him credit. So 
you know, I don't think he can box like that for every fight because he'll start yeah. to, people will start to lose interest, let's be honest. The casual fan is in boxing to see knockouts. Yeah, I and mean, they, 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 did you look at Twitter after the Joshua's fight was criticizing him? You know what I mean? It's crazy, but like some people just don't appreciate real boxing. People will appreciate boxing skill, but you know, general general public, general fans, they just want to see instant, you know, knockouts yeah. and, and things like that. It's, it's, it's our generation. It's the right. generation of right now, right this second, right. And, and that's social media. Social Give me a fifteen media. second clip yeah. of knocking a guy out. Do you ever go into a fight looking for a knockout? Do you ever um, like? I really need a knockout to, to get on the highlights and, and get on Sports Center and, nah, and all that stuff. Nah, listen, the, the main goal, the main objective for me is to win and win. Yeah. Um, whether it's by knockout, whether it's by points, I don't care as long as my hand is raised and there's the, uh, and the money goes into the bank and the food is on my table <laughs> right. for my kids. I'm happy. Christmas time. I know you're a big fan of Christmas. Yeah. I read up on awesome. your you fought in December a, a few times now. Yeah. Christmas season, as you can see here, favorite Christmas movie, Mick Conley. Wow. wow. <laughs> Toughest question I'm going to ask you today. National Lampoon's. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Right. Yeah. That is yeah. the, the most quotable. Or, or Scrooge. Scrooge is good. Bill Murray, yeah, yeah. big Bill yeah. Murray fan. Yeah, yeah. Scrooge is a good one as well. Yeah, there's a lot of good one Christmas movies. There's so much to choose. Like, see, I hate, I hate being asked questions like this or favorite movie or favorite uh, song, song or anything. Because <laughs> but you can't go wrong with National Lampoon. No, Chevy National Chase is, yeah. is phenomenal. And I also yeah. read. I mean, Conor McGregor has walked you out to the ring. Your last fight in New York, Finn Balor was in your yeah. corner, WWE superstar. I just heard about this friendship that you have with Nickelback. Yeah, I couldn't believe yeah. it. I, had, I saw that the headline. Had to click on that one and see what that was all about. Yeah. I was like, Mick Conley and Nickelback? Tell us a little bit how that friendship it, came about. It was crazy. It was 2017, yeah. just after the Olympics. And uh, they were playing in Belfast. I think they, their head of security emailed my email and was like, Nickelback, you know, they watched the Olympics and, and they would love you to come to the show. Would you be up for it? And you said, thought you were getting spammed? No, I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm dead for that. I knew they were coming, you see. So... Yeah. Um, you know, Nickelback, it's not something you like actually listen to every day, but you know when you hear the song? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You go, I know that's every single exactly. word of the song. So I was like, I'm going. So I went, met all the guys, Chad, Maggie, everything. And we're all lovely guys, really good, really, really nice. And even like saying it off the stage and all this and stuff. So they've kept in touch. And uh, I still speak to them kind of, you know, for email and stuff. And uh, they're just good guys. So kind of gained the friendship there. And, and they're always supporting me, which is nice. Yeah, it's like the type of music where you wouldn't seek it out on, on Spotify, but if it came on in the bar, came on in the club, yeah. you know every word, and yeah. you're jumping up and down. And, and you don't know how, because you're like, how did I even know this? But like, I do, I do. So, <laughs> crazy. So could maybe one day we can see Nickelback, like, you know how, like, some rappers walk fighters into the ring? Uh, could we see, like, Nickelback, live performance, walking you uh, into the ring one day? photograph. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you to sing a song, but you came up with it right on your own right there. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> there it is. Mick Conlon, the opening battle. Out on ESPN, one of the biggest cards on the uh, the fight schedule. How does it? First of all, how do you feel about uh, getting on ESPN fighting uh, on this big card? Such a big yeah. I mean, right off two the title Heisman fights. Trophy too. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's great. You know, ESPN is the biggest kind of sporting network in the world. Um, the fact that I'm getting the you know show my skill set on there and uh, and kind of get myself known to the kind of more the American public than, than the Irish public yeah. but uh, yeah it's it's special you know not many kids from Ireland get to do it so you know I'm happy there it is Mick Conlon Saturday night ESPN opening fight of the card a lot of redemption there he's going to uh, take out Vladimir Nikitin and he wants to do it in style big year coming for Mick Conlon thanks a lot for joining us man here at Jack Doyle's appreciate it man thank you our next interview on Inside Boxing Live is brought to you by Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden and Times Square. Go into Jack Doyle's for all your entertainment needs. From happy hours to birthday parties to private events, Jack Doyle's has you covered. Once again, that's Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located on 240 West 35th Street. Joining us right now on Inside Boxing Live is a man that doesn't need much of a description or much of an introduction. He's the former undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Of course, I'm talking about Lennox Lewis, current PBC on Fox analyst. Lennox, thank you so much for coming with us here on Inside Boxing Live. I've been trying to get you on the show for a while now, man. Oh, man. Sorry I wasn't able to come on, but I'm here now. <laughs> You're here now, and 
You're here yeah. now, and it's the best time to talk. It's a heavyweight division is heating up. It's probably the most exciting it's been since you were reigning over the division. Of course, I'm talking about AJ Ruiz this past weekend. You watched the fights. What were your initial thoughts on the fight? My my initial thoughts on the fight was, uh, was I had a couple initial thoughts. I felt that, uh, you know, obviously Anthony Joshua made some adjustments, and, you know, these are the kind of adjustments you need to make. Uh, he brought back that Olympic style boxing, which is which was in, important, especially in a fight like this. Uh, I was kind of disappointed with Ruiz, you know, coming in at that weight and looking looking like that because you know so many heavyweights or people out there are trying to become heavyweight champions. They're putting in the work, and when they're faced with the opportunity, they take full advantage of it. And then there's, you know, there's other people that have the opportunity twice and don't huh. don't live it to the fullest. You know, I'm like, you know, I feel bad for a lot of people out there that, you know, they're working hard and they want to they become champions. Yeah, well, you're right. It was, I think that Ruiz will look back at this, whether it's today, next week, 10 years down the road, and be like, wow, I really squandered a huge opportunity. But back to AJ's style and how he, you know, changed his entire game plan. Do you th well, you, first of all, were you surprised with that? And do you think that he can sustain this type of game plan? Or do you think he'll go back to being more of a seek-and-destroy guy? Well, you know, a fight like this gives you a lot of confidence. And, uh, you know, uh, he made the adjustments that were needed to uh, be made for an opponent like this. But, uh, you know, AJ's up at the top right now. And there's a lot of still, a lot of learning still to be done. And, uh, you know, if he can make them adjustments, he should do well. You know, talking about uh, Anthony, Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz, and, and you, a lot of parallels with this fight were made between yours with, with, with Rockman. You know, obviously you lost to Rockman, then you came back and you knocked him out. A lot of people were saying the same thing about Joshua. How will he respond? Will he respond the same way as, uh, as Lennox did in that rematch? Talk to us about what goes through your mind when, when seemingly the entire world is doubting you that you can't win the rematch. Yeah, uh, that's a very important question because, you know, a lot of people lose in, in, in life and or fall off the horse, I always put it. And when they get back on the horse, people don't uh, have that opinion of same opinion of them until it's been proved. And for, for me, I cemented my proof by knocking out the opponent that knocked me out in a round before, Rockman. And, uh, you know, I made the adjustments that I needed to make and they were, they were straightaway adjustments. Uh, Anthony Joshua now, you know, he boxed, he made, he made great adjustments, but like he's still learning and, uh, you know, he probably felt a lot of pressure in that fight. He, he looked, you know, he was very focused. This is what you need to be, be in a space by yourself. I always say, uh, it's lonely at the top because you're the one that has to go in the ring. You're the one that has to go through all the people telling you or saying, that oh you're not gonna make it and you have to say no you're gonna, I'm gonna make it and uh, I, I believe a lot of those questions and, and feelings were going through Anthony Joshua's head because they went went through mine you know you have people there saying oh well do you think he's softening the head what about if he gets hit hit there again yeah you know and you're thinking to yourself well I know I'm not soft in the head I, you know <laughs> I just have to make sure my defense is up yeah. you know anybody can get uh, knocked out at that at that. Um, heavyweight class because we're all over 230 pounds well some of them are over 280 pounds that's uh, andy ruiz uh, going into your your, your second Un fight unbelie unbelievable like uh, unreal right you know yeah unreal to go a 12 round fight i mean it's, it, it would be if, if that was 180 pounds and they were boxing in the shoe box yeah then i would say okay he's got the weight advantage it was a but big ring a 22 foot ring yeah, it was a huge ring, and that's uh, un, that's strange because you feel like the champion gets to, to choose the ring. You want you would think that Ruiz would want a, a smaller ring. That's a story for another day. But going into that rematch with Rockman, did you go in going for a knockout, or you were like, hey, maybe I can just box around there, or did you want to make that emphatic uh, statement? Yeah, uh, I was going for the knockout in the sense that like any punch that would touch him, he's gonna go down. And, you know, I always tell people, uh, lucky punch is a punch that's really thrown once and it connects one time. In the first round with Rockman, I was throwing that right hand and I just adjusted it, you know, in, in, in the fourth round, fifth round. So were you surprised that, that Joshua didn't go for the KO or did you, were you hoping that he maybe wanted to do that and, and you know, follow in your footsteps once again? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't want anybody to follow my footsteps. I want them to make their own footsteps. You know, my my foot footsteps are pretty large, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, um, I, I believe that uh, he would have wanted to knock him out. You know, every anybody that knocks you out, you want to knock knock them back out. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple times he did throw a good uh, a good hail mary, and uh, he got out of town quick, which you know, very wise. He stuck by the game plan, which you know, this is what the, they came up with, and and it worked. Yeah, I mean, there was a few times in the fight, you're right, there was a few times in the fight where, where AJ would land the right, or you would see Ruiz get a little momentum, and I think his, I heard that his corner would yell out, stick, stick to basics, so that's when AJ either held, or he clinched, or he circled out and went right back to the jab. It seemed like he had a game plan in mind. That's impressive, too. I want to ask you about this. It's impressive to just say you're going to come in there and jab and box when that's not really generally has been his game plan. But to execute it on that stage with all that riding on it, you got to tip your hat to Joshua to be able to kind of change his, his game plan at this stage in his career. 100% because, you know, I've seen a lot of boxers that go in there and they forget about the game plan, like, yo, you're supposed to stay on the outside and move. What the <laughs> yeah. hell are you doing in yeah. there? You know, and some, you know, some get lost with it, but, you know, he, like, he was pretty focused. He, he started training right after the fight. He probably, he understood what he needed to do, and he did it. Yeah, well, will you reach out to AJ? I know you guys have a, a little bit of a checkered past, but he just exercised a demon. You exercised a, a lot of demons in your career and came out on top. Will you reach out to AJ and, and uh, have any words for him? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously I've congrat congratulated him already. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that he was able to stick by the game plan and exercise that jab like he was supposed to was was unbelievable. That's great, a great feat for him, and he looked good too, doing it. Were you more surprised with how he looked or how Ruiz looked, especially with the weight? <laughs> well, the, pro the problem is I don't want to take anything away from Anthony Joshua. He exercised what he needed to do, and, you know, this is the, is the way you're supposed to do it. Um, so uh, that's all I can say. And then the other thing I can say is if you're boxing for the heavyweight championship of the world, you better come in prepared, especially if you've got the time yeah. to prepare. Could you believe that, though, what Reese had to say afterwards? He pretty much said that I didn't train hard, I got too heavy, yeah, I party uh, too to, much. To, 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 to me, it, uh, you, shouldn't, you should never make those excuses. You know, I think it's okay to when you go to a, a, a school and you're talking to kids and you say, in order to, to be successful, you can't do this, you can't do this, and these are the things you're supposed to stay away from. You know, I think that works then, but not at the end of, of a fight. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe you said it. I mean, we're all thinking it. I mean, there was, we saw the photos, we, we saw the cars, yeah. we saw all this. We were like, man, is this guy going to be Buster Douglas 2.0? Is, is the fame getting to his head? Nah, he, he fights at, at, at that weight. He can still win that fight, but for him to come out and just say it afterwards, yes, I was too fat, I partied too much, it was crazy to hear. Yeah, I mean, like I, like I said, it's like not, not what anybody wants to hear after a fight, but, you know, uh, he said it, and um, that's, that's, he's only has his, his self to blame for that. Yeah, okay, now the, the big question coming up now is, is this next fight, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. It's going to be a PBC-Fox collaboration. You're going to be a part of it, calling it. And the biggest thing with, with what's going on right now in the heavyweight division is now re-ranking the, the top guys and who's the big dog. I mean, you know, Joshua has three of the belts, but Wilder has the other one. What's your top five right now in the heavyweight division? Let me just give you my top two. All right. <laughs> okay. I want to give you my, my top three. Um, my top three would have to be Deontay, uh, Tyson Fury, and obviously Josh, Joshua. Is that the order, too, they're going with? Uh, yeah, at the moment I'm going with that with that order. Okay, I mean it's doable. How do you how do you see the the Wilder and Fury rematch playing out? Uh, exciting fight, you know. Both of them have to make adjustments and and come back obviously with with a with a different game plan. You know, there's so much when it comes to boxing, the sweet science of it, and when you when you analyze your opponent, what their what their weaknesses and strengths are. Right. So it's who can capitalize on those type of things. You know, obviously uh, Tyson Fury was the boxer of the first fight, and um, Deontay was the puncher. Now, if both of them can, you know, obviously Tyson Fury come with some some power, 
and obviously Deontay come with a little bit more boxing. So it's just it's just like that. Who does the work? Who wants it the most? Now, Lennox, before we let you go here, it, we're closing in on one year of the PBC on Fox. You've been a broadcaster there, do a great job. What's the experience been like? What's it like getting back there, calling fights? Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm excited about it. I, I actually enjoy it, and it's something that comes naturally to me. You know, what I mean. Um, if, if I wasn't doing it for PBC, I'll be doing it for uh, a living room full of friends. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Lennox, thank you so much for joining us here. Got a busy year coming up in the world of boxing. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder is expected to be announced soon. You'll be part of that broadcast. Really appreciate you joining us here on Inside Boxing Live, and I'll see you soon ringside, man. All right. Thanks a lot. Bless. Joining me right now, Inside Boxing Live, he is a very sleep-deprived man. He is a well-traveled <laughs> man. He is Sergio Mora of the Zone, a former world titleist to boot as well. He has landed in the U.S. He is back on U.S. soil, a crazy whirlwind trip, I'm sure, of it, Sergio. How was it? And Tell me about it, man. Good segue from the conversation we just had. Yes, <laughs> I slept 16 hours one night. I broke my record, and... uh yeah, you know the the you know you got to get in, you got to you got to get a, accustomed and acclimated to to the time change. It was eleven hour time change, and from LA it was even more. So the time really messed us up, and the people there were telling me that it was going to take about five five days to get acclimated. I didn't have that luxury, so oversleeping was my thing, man. But other than that, it was surprisingly a great trip. I just tweeted about it. That was the first thing I wanted to do. Uh, the people were humble. The hospitality was amazing. The food was incredible. Um, the venue was something special. Um, you know, the fight maybe wasn't as memorable as people would want it to be, but the event was. You know, no matter what anybody says, the event was, and the fact that it was in a foreign, like in a foreign country, exotic location, you just, you know, you can add it to the uh, the list of great heavyweight fights that people remember. You know, so um, it was just all all around, man. It was it was um, it was an education and a life, life. I wouldn't say life changing, but very life educational, man. Uh, just the way the other side of the world is. Yeah, I mean, it, there was a lot of big fight feels. It felt different. It felt historic. It felt like we were in a time warp. We were going back to the seventies. You know, Rumble in the Jungle. You know, all the different fights in Zaire. You go all over the place. It felt like that. It did have that feel, even all the way here in New York, where I, I was watching it. But I always ask this to my buddies when they come back from a, a big trip, especially abroad. I always say, "What was the highlight, and and what was the low light of the trip?" Um, highlight was realizing the little. Do can I cuss here? Yes, absolutely. The little fucking cocoon we live in in this country, uh, not knowing how or not caring to know how other civilizations and cultures live we just go off of what we see on television what they tell us in the news um you know i'm not a history major or a, a history buff or anything like that so i'm not going to claim to know the ins and outs of saudi arabia and i know there's a lot of controversy so i know it's a fine line but i can tell you from my experience from my eyes the people were humble and the the we were lost in translation so you had a you had a i mean they under they understood and and spoke like the minimum English, like basic English. But it was enough to, to get by with our mannerisms, with our smiles, with, with our humility. Uh, it, it just made you, feel, it made you feel like, man, you know, people, aren't, people are the same all over the world. It's just our politics and religion that really changes us. But that's, those are things that are man-made. So, uh, yeah, without getting too philosophical or too, too, uh, <laughs> without getting too intimate, it was it was really a pleasure to be on the other side of the world to really get to see a country for myself and not just mm -hmm. listen to other people and then you know they're they're you know you see you you heard about the women dressing in right. their um, in, in, from head to toe covering that wasn't the case with all the women that's another thing not every woman is dressed like that so th there's like a hierarchy of of the rules of that so some sh just show their eyes some show their face some show their hair and some don't even wear it at all so. It, it, it just it's it's something that I don't know I don't really want to get into that too much into that but it was yeah. it was just enlightening to see how how far people are willing to be disciplined in something they truly believe in and something that that they've dated back for for centuries you know in their family and there's it's their culture and then how they are with their culture and and as an American it was just like 
damn, wow. And then add the fact that we couldn't drink a beer and we're <laughs> jet lagged. And then, yeah, you really have to focus and be healthy. So, yeah, man, it was, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was an education. How about the low light? No beer. No beer. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> no. I thought maybe you'd say Chris Manor. <laughs> no alcohol. Yeah, that's my third. Third. I, I love, I, by the way, I just love this. this I call, it's almost like a brotherhood, like a little big brother, little brother. I don't know who's exactly older, but this ongoing, like, fake feud that you have with Mannix is really good stuff. You know, it, I'm glad you said fake because really, people really think that we're, like, pissed off at each other. or that, I mean, I disagree with them, but it, it's all shtick. You know, he yeah. throws a jab, I throw a jab, and we do it when we're on air or off air. I mean, yeah, all, we is, all we do is break balls, and it's worse with Todd Grisham. I, I mean, I, oh, yeah. I love Grisham. Yeah, yeah, so do I. So, yeah, the, the stick we have on air, it's not that we plan it. It's just it, it's big brother, little brother type thing, but we're the same yeah. age. Yeah. So, yeah. What, a, what about, um, did you, what was it like, did you leave the room? I know we talked earlier, so you said you were going to kind of stick a lot of people with his own were going to kind of stay to the hotel, stay to the resort, not really venture out. What was that like? No, no, we didn't We didn't stick to the room, but we stayed within the vicinity. Uh, the only time we went out was when we had to go places. Now, we could have. Now, if I would have been more caught up on my sleep, I definitely would have joined, you know, the people that went out and ventured out that were there longer than me. They, they would go to the malls. They would go to to uh, uh, the real the restaurants outside the city. Claudia Trejo went to get a uh, to a salon to get a haircut, hmm. you know. So all that stuff I wanted to do, but I was slow, slow, so sleep deprived that I just wanted to catch up on sleep, man. Dude. So I studied, I studied, and just went to sleep. Studied, went to sleep. That's crazy, man. I I, I call fights for for Debella Entertainment. I do the Broadway boxing, and the furthest they sent us was Salt Lake City. And I was complaining about the altitude. And I was complaining about the time difference. I couldn't imagine being on the other side of the world. But there a time where you were over there, you're like, oh, my God, I am so far from home. And not only just traveling and what that does to the human body, now i got to be on air and be on top of my game. There's, there's nothing like being on live TV and, and the, the amount of energy it takes to give a good broadcast. Man, that's, <laughs> if you could only imagine everything that could have gone wrong went wrong come fight night from, from getting to the arena to uh, being late to the arena, from the rain and not being prepared for it, uh, for all our notes wet when it started raining because where our table was was right outside of the roof where the rain would have uh, uh, not hit us. So we're right on the rain, all, all our notes wet, soaking wet, where, where we can't even you know, read them or understand them anymore. Uh, the, the, you know, Sky was in charge of the main production, so we were, we were following their lead and we didn't have them in their ear which mm-hmm. was very difficult, which was Brian's job. So I just followed Brian. But, yeah, sometimes we'll start talking, and we're not talking to you guys because it's, we're not going to the uh, Dave Diamant. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. it was a lot to handle, man. And, and uh, Brian Kenny, he's the ma- maestro, so just follow him and, and you'll be all right. But even even he uh, was saying, man, this is, this is the most uh, uh, adversity I had to face as a broadcaster. I'm like, really? He goes, oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's been a lot, too. He's been around for a really long time. And it was funny to see, not funny, but, I mean, crazy to see that it rained. I mean, it doesn't rain out there ever. You're in the middle of the desert, and I we saw the tweets back here in New York and the U.S. You know, uh, Andreas Hale uh, tweeted a, a picture of the of the rain, and then Kevin Ioli tweeted that the, the event might have been postponed, which was quickly debunked. I mean, that just threw a whole other wrinkle into it. I mean, of all things, I mean, you're going to get your money's worth if you went out there if you, you know, you wake up on fight day and it's absolutely pouring at an outdoor stadium that they built in six weeks. It was, uh, it was exactly everything that could go wrong went wrong, and like, I, like I just said. But the rain is just, it's just an added insult because it, it's a beautiful arena. They just built it in six weeks. They, they built it specifically for this event. And the entire week we're there, from, month, from Tuesday on, it's, 80 degrees, high yeah. 80s, you're walking around in t-shirts, and then that one night, that one fucking night, the sun doesn't come out, the storm comes out, the entire day, it's glo- like, it, it's dark the entire time, because it's, I don't know, in the desert, it's weird, man, when the sun doesn't come out, it looks like it's just the evening the entire day, right. and then it starts raining, then it starts pouring, not only does it start like, <laughs> raining, it starts pouring for about 5-10 minutes, then it'll just start sprinkling, then it'll stop. Yeah. Luckily, it stopped for Joshua, just in time for the Joshua fight. So just like in London, it, it was raining up until Joshua, and then, it, you know, the event started. But, uh, yeah, man, 
hardcore fans out there. Fifteen thousand fans are getting soaked. soaked. Right, because all you saw, um, you know, on Instagram, that's what I was following along. I was following your stories. I was following uh, Eddie Hearns. I was following people that were there. Is, is it looked amazing the the arena at sunset, and I'm sure that they were hoping to get some great shots, you know, uh, in the prelims leading up to the main event. So it looked amazing at sunset, but you know, just wasn't written in the cards. But set the scene though, fight day. You get to the arena. I understand you got there a little later, but but like the in terms of like the the energy that was in the building, did it feel like how it came across on TV that this was a huge event? Yes, definitely. Uh, it felt like a big event. Like you can be at a big event, like at a T-Mobile Arena, right? A Canelo mm-hmm. fight. You know it's a big event because you see all the people from you know packed in there. You know, eighteen thousand or whatever it holds. So, you know, it's a big event, you know, the stars are out, but this one felt historic. It, I, I don't know how to describe it. It felt, it felt historic because everyone you see in the crowd, so from the celebrities that were there, so you could go from seeing Usher to um, uh, who, who, Canelo being in the crowd mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, people in their, 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 their outfits, not the outfits, but the, the religious outfits that they wear right. and the women. Uh, being covered up, so you can go all along the cr- crowd, and you're just seeing a, a, a mix, a variety of people. And the sun, when it did come out, when it was out, it looked different from that side of the world than over here. I don't know if, if it's because of the sand somewhat blocking the sky, but you know you're not in, in the United States. You know you're in a foreign country. And then obviously the the language, the different languages and different accents. You know, I had Sky Sports and English people behind me. I had <laughs> Arabs Arabs around me. And then, uh, and then Spanish-speaking people, uh, uh, Salvador from from ESPN, talking in the Spanish. So it just felt special. And then finally, when when Joshua came out alone to his the the, the African beats that song that he came out to, wearing that white robe, just like Ali did in, in in Zaire, it just felt magical, man. It felt like Ali. And then I don't know, I don't know if you've seen Joshua in person, but yeah. he is statuesque, man. He's six foot six. And there's an aura to him. And when he's walking out of the tunnel by himself to those drums, walking to the arena, it felt magical, man. You, it just everything was magical. It really yeah, was. Yeah, man. I really got that. You got the chills just uh, listening to it. But you're right. I did like that the fact that they allowed them to do the ring walks just one person. And just just listen to what you just said there. All the different cultures. Boxing is a global sport. People forget that, and it kind of goes back to what you said on you leaving the bubble of, of the U.S. Boxing is a global sport, and that's why it felt big. That's why this fight felt a little different, and that's why I think a lot of fans were so fascinated, uh, not only just with the fight, how it's just an amazing rematch and it's the most anticipated fight of the year, but everything else that goes into it, the Saudi angle, uh, you know, the, the, the cultural angle, the, the, the politics, the controversy. It, it was a lot of things all wrapping into one, and then fight night comes, and both guys are in the ring. And I'll ask you this. What were you surprised more about? Were you surprised more about Joshua's execution of the the jab and, and, and kind of in and out boxing, or were you more surprised with Ruiz just laying a total leg? Um, Ruiz, I'm I'm sorry, uh, Joshua being able to box for 12 rounds. Not that he was able to do that the first half of the fight, because originally when people were asking my opinion, I wanted to stay neutral, but I was indicating what I thought was going to happen. I was basically saying Anthony Joshua is going to run into some trouble in a fight that he's winning. And I'm going to, and we're going to see if he can handle that adversity. In other words, he might get knocked out in a, in a fight that he's winning again, because I didn't think he can box like that for 12 rounds. I knew that he can box like that for, for five, six rounds. And I knew he was going to be motivated and, and, and focused and in shape, but I didn't think a six foot six, 200 and, 40, 50-pound giant like that could move like that, really. I mean, we, I, I had seen Tyson Fury box in person, and I, I know that's his style. So we, we know that Tyson Fury can do that. He does it marvelous as well. But I didn't think Joshua could do it, and I didn't think he would do it for 36 minutes either. So I, that's what I was more impressed with because Andy Ruiz, we know, we know he's a chubby champion. And if he came, if he came in 15 pounds heavier, I couldn't even tell. I mean, if the scale didn't tell us that, no one would have known. But yeah, that added controversy, and then the fact that, that that he couldn't get his punches off, and he just everything was just wrong with him, and he laid an egg, like you said. Yeah. And yeah, so credit Joshua, and shame on Andy Ruiz for for not taking this uh, mega fight his uh, uh, serious. 
Yeah, we'll get to Ruiz in a second. But going back to what you said about Joshua and the movement, the thing with Tyson Fury, when I think of Tyson Fury, I think of lateral movement, not so much him moving his legs in, in the ring because he's, he's even bigger uh, than Joshua. But you made a good point about how Joshua was able to not just – he did use lateral movement, but the fact that he was able to literally move around the ring, like, you know, circle around. And I, don't, I think a lot of people or a lot of boxing fans are not giving him enough credit here. He didn't get the knockout, so people didn't get the, 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 the blood that they wanted. They didn't get their red meat in, in terms of, of, of Joshua knocking the guy out. But you like what you just said right there, you have to give Joshua credit for sticking to the game plan, sixth, seventh, eighth round when you're dead tired, when you're sucking wind, being able to still move in there and sticking, you know, mentally too. Now, that's another thing too is like when you get tired, you, you don't think that I have to circle out here. You don't think that I have to you know, double jab here. So I think that a lot more credit has to be given to Joshua. Was it the most exciting win? No, but it was impressive nonetheless. No, shit, I did my job. I called that fight exactly what you just said. I regurgitated that on air. Now, Latinos and especially Mexican fans gave me a lot of shit for it because they said that I sold myself out and I was pro-Joshua and that I'm ah, all this shit that you read on Twitter and all this. All well, this that just that means I, you're doing something right. Uh, that that means that I'm being unbiased. I'm calling what I see. If the judges only gave Andy Ruiz one round, another two judges gave him two rounds. What am I supposed to say positive about him? That he's coming forward? That he's looking for a fight? No. I'm going to praise what I see as a boxer, what I know adversity looks like, because I've been there. And for a heavyweight to move like that, coming off a fucking uh, 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 a knockout a loss where you lose everything in, in the blink of an eye to, to an unknown and everyone just turns on you, you can literally go from, from, from being praised to bitter and hate everybody. And Joshua almost did that. And for a champion to come back like that and do what he did for 12 rounds, that's what fucking champions are made of, man. And if you can't appreciate that, and you can call me what you want, but I called it, I could seen it, and if you give me the opportunity, I'll do it again. Yeah, I think the educated fan can, can see that. I think the educated fan can realize all the adversity Joshua faced. Kind of bouncing up off the canvas, didn't make any excuses after the first fight, and had to face ton of criticism, had to deal with people saying that his career is over, had to deal with people saying that he's just not mentally tough, uh, to fight at, at this level, and for him to come out there, you know, change his body, I, you know, you got to give him more credit. And and you're right. The thing with Ruiz is, you, can, you, I mean, you can give a guy credit for moving forward, but he's just simply moving forward. He wasn't moving forward uh, intelligently. He wasn't jabbing his way in. He was just simply walking in. wasn't cutting off the ring. But back to Joshua, with this new, I wouldn't say new style, because you know, at CompuBox we have noticed this trend with Joshua. He has been throwing his jab a lot more. Uh, in the four fights since Klitschko than he was in the previous 16. Do you think that he could, this style that Joshua showed, do you think it's sustainable uh, moving forward? Do you think he can beat the likes of Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, you know, Pulev, Usyk with that type of style? Man, um, I don't know. I, I think those names that you just mentioned, they're, they're the best of the best, and they're, they're equally matched. And I would have to favor... Uh, Wilder in a fight with Joshua and, you know, at the end of the telecast, Brian Kenny asked me, so who do you have at the top uh, heavyweight? And I said, I, st I still have to put Wilder uh, up there. And then as, as far as number sec number two, it's between it's between Joshua and uh, Fury. I would say then, then from there, you, then it's from there to pick them. It can be Andy Ruiz. It could be, it could be Pulev. It can be Usyk. It can be uh, Ortiz. Yeah, or Luis Ortiz or Dillian White, it's a pick 'em. Right. But I, I I have Wilder at number one and I don't know I, I don't know anyone else that probably won't. I mean it's between Fury and Wilder and Joshua. But yeah. after that perform he he has to have another solid performance for him to be that number one guy. But right now, you know, the the big dog I think and the big puncher and the, the biggest puncher is Wilder and, and he's unbeaten, you know, so and not until they clash we're gonna find out what happens. Well, there you go. So anyone that says you're biased, you just had Deontay Wilder as, as your number one guy. You don't work for the PBC. I, I know you're a loosely I affiliated. At, I said that at the end of the telecast. These people don't fucking pay attention. They don't listen, Gerald. They don't listen. But uh, like you said, look, with Wilder, it's interesting that Wilder and Joshua, because that's the fight that everyone's going to want now. That's the fight that we're going to be banging the drum for, especially if Wilder beats uh, Fury. I just I I'm I don't know I just don't see like it's it's tough to handicap because you got to figure Joshua's gonna is gonna get back in the gym and he's gonna want to keep the belts and he's gonna want to perfect this this style that he's got going now. 
But with with Wilder, I mean, he didn't win a single round against Ortiz. He did not look good against Ortiz until he landed that equalizer. I'm just curious if Wilder can can get it. Such a risky game plan that Wilder uh, puts in there because it's basically I'm not even trying to win rounds. I'm just hoping to get close enough uh, in range, which is educated in its own way, to land that right. Man, when when you have that kind of power, then you have that you can have that luxury. It's just bound to catch up to you. And if if you have a a motivated fighter that's in shape that knows that it's going to come down to the final three four rounds, uh, you know you can win the first seven eight. But it, the fight's really going to come down to the end. And I even mentioned that in in the the Ruiz Joshua fight, I said. You know, we can see Joshua slowing down. We could see him getting – he's dead tired. He's tired, and he's and he's slowing down, and Ruiz is put, putting the pressure on, and I was saying, like, oh, man, uh, how about if we see flashbacks of uh, Chavez against Meldrick Taylor or Chavez yeah. Jr. versus Martinez? How about if uh, Ruiz catches him towards the end? How will Joshua react? Whatever. That's what we were hoping for. Yeah, right? Then that would have that, that all – that would have made up for everything else, for every everyone complaining. Right, right. But because um, think about it, I mean, look at Chavez Martinez. That was a boring fight, and not yep. until the la- I mean, it was a one-sided fight, and uh, it's just that's what happens when you have a, a brilliant boxer moving around. Joshua Wilder Fury. Josh, Joshua's always going to be susceptible. Always. The same thing that's, with Wilder Fury. That wasn't that exciting of a fight. I know people will say it was dramatic. It was mostly because there hasn't been that many dramatic heavyweight fights. So when you have a fight that has a little bit of drama, like Wilder and Fury the first time, you're going to kind of over-exaggerate what you saw on there. But they landed like 17% of their punches. I mean, Wilder wasn't landing anything. You know, Fury wasn't landing much. But it, they give you that 12th round. That 12th round is why you watch heavyweight boxing. The same thing uh, with uh, Martinez and, and Chavez. I was hoping that, that Breeze would have went for broke in, in that 12th round. And, or or some, some little bit of drama at the end would have been – uh, I feel like a lot of fans would have came away with a better taste in their mouth, but still, you got to give Joshua credit. That's what I had in my in my head when I was watching it, and I was seeing Joshua slow down and Ruiz get desperate. That's what I had in my head, like like in my in my thinking when I'm commentating, I'm looking at it, I'm like, what if? And and then I'm you know maybe wishful thinking, but what if Ruiz can actually catch him? I mean, Joshua's tired enough now where he'll go down, he'll get hurt, he can stop him, it'll be a magical night, blah blah blah. But it didn't happen. Yeah. Because Joshua was ready for it. Yeah. If it, well, if it was your guy Sly Stallone was involved, he could have wrote a script and he could have got a, a different ending. Going over to Ruiz, were there any rumblings of his camp and yes. or lack thereof? I know that uh, I watched, yes. I heard some type of interview with Kenny Brian Kenny did on Friday, and he said he heard a lot of things and they weren't good. Did you guys hear anything on the ground there that this guy did not train yes. at all? Yes, yes, plenty of them. And I, I, I don't know if you remember, but Manix threw a jab at me when I said, "Yeah, and sources here say," and then he goes, "Yeah, you have yeah. sources now." <laughs> but you were trying to, you were getting into his lane. He didn't like you getting into his lane. That's that's where he does. Yeah, but here here's the thing. Yes. Uh, I had sources there. I spoke to a lot of people that were there for more than a week, at, uh, were there as long as he was there. And, you know, you run into people getting coffee, you know, eating yeah, at lunch course. and dinner. And then, you know, you, the first thing you ask about, talk about this, talk about that. And they, mm-hmm. they'll openly tell you about what they're saying. And what were they saying? Dude, Ruiz is not training. All he's doing is eating, ordering pizza. <laughs> uh, he goes on the treadmill, he runs for five minutes, and then he just – he puts his feet on the side of the treadmill and he just lets the treadmill run. And well, that's what goes, I do. Well, yeah, but you're not a heavyweight <laughs> champion of the world. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, so and he wasn't trained. He wasn't training as much as he as he as he uh, was. He would just do the bare minimum and stop. And he was doing that every day. So I can understand if you do it just for uh, the fighter workouts. You know, you don't really show all your cards. But shit, dude, you had two weeks or however time they were there to acclimate. That's that's all they saw. No one saw him intensely training, and they saw him intensely eating. That's that's what was the word in 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 Riyadh when we were there by everybody. Wow. What about when he stopped on the scale and it read two eighty three? Was there a, a shriek in the crowd? I mean, it set Twitter a buzz. I mean, it doesn't take much to set Twitter a buzz, but two eighty three. I mean, that was just unbelievable. And you had people saying, "Is he playing games with them? Did he have weights in his pocket? He's wearing a sombrero. It's all muscle." You heard literally every end of the spectrum when it came to what they highly interpreted as the 283. What was it like when you were at the weigh-in and, and you saw that? I was front row with Brian Kenny. They announced that number, and 
you know, being next to a, a, a boxing computer like Brian Kenny, as soon as they announced the number, I don't know how he computed it that fast. He goes, he looks up, he goes, hmm, that's 15 and a half pounds. That's exactly what Buster Douglas <laughs> weighed in the rematch for Mike Tyson. Like, yeah. literally, like five seconds off. And he yeah, said, it's crazy. And I, I said, what? Because, you know, I'm bad with numbers, as you guys know. I go, 15 pounds? And I'm starting to do the math. I'm like, wow. And then he goes, he goes, well, there go the the, the bookies are changing the odds as we speak. Absolutely. Goes, and he goes, I just don't see him winning this no more. And he goes, I, I, I don't get it. What, what irresponsibility. And Brian, and we started walking towards the hotel. And he goes, have you ever heard of, of, of that, of a champion, this, that? And, and I'm like, no, man, but you know what? And then I started making a case for Ruiz. Ruiz did say he wanted to be stronger, but I don't, I don't know. He's not a... He's a strong fighter, but he relies on speed more. I don't get why he wants that, that to muscle around Joshua. And so we're kind of debating it going back and forth. But ultimately, BK was like, no, there's no way he took this fight, uh, this camp serious. And he was just saying saying all that negativity. And he was mm-hmm. absolutely right. Right. You don't want to come off as you don't want to come off as being negative. You want to give Ruiz every benefit of the doubt. I was guilty of that too uh, when he was buying the cars and you know he bought the house and you saw pictures and stuff was starting to leak out. I was like, this is just a guy that's enjoying being the heavyweight champion. It's not going to change uh, the way the fight's going to go down. I'm not going to fall for that. I'm not going to be Mr. You know, a cynical person and say that it didn't affect him. Man, he played everyone for a fool. He really, he really fooled us because. It just turned out by his own admission that he was just not training. He was eating. He was partying. He didn't listen to his trainers. I mean, can you believe, can you, I mean, you're a fighter. Could you imagine, like, you know, not listening to your trainer or going into a, the biggest fight of the year and just simply not training? Sonny, when you were calling, I was about to tweet this this thing that I relate with, with, with uh, on a smaller scale, but still, you know, big in my eyes. There were two times in my career where I where I did the exact same thing Andy Ruiz did for this fight. After winning the contender and after winning the the, the, the title from Vernon Forrest, I had immediate rematches for both. Both I looked like shit because both of those times I went on a on a on a world championship tour. There you go. And and, and I soaked it up everything you can think of. I, I I crammed in all my vices and I crammed in all the all the hey champ and the red carpets and the A list parties and the food and just use your imagination. I indulged. I indulged and it and it came back to bite me in the ass in both rematches. One of them I almost lost with Peter Manfredo, which people thought he won, and then of course I lost my title to Vernon Force. I gained twenty eight pounds for that second wow. title Vernon Force. Only I didn't have the three months to prepare. I had five weeks and I lost five, 28 pounds in five weeks. So I can relate to Ruiz, but I wasn't getting paid $10 million, man. I mean, I was getting paid high six figures. You yeah. also, you tell me that in my next fight, I'm going to be making, you know, millions and millions of dollars. Man, fuck the parties. That can wait. Let me make my money now. Let me, you know, let me defend these titles now. It's it just yeah man it was it's character man and I touched on that on on, on the telecast you know it just it just comes down to character man uh, and 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 some champions have it some don't you know I was guilty of not having it and and I related to Ruiz not having it but Ruiz was on a fucking on a massive scale you know so I just it, yeah. it, it was inexcusable he was on a bender he was on a a a a world famous bender and. You know, it's tough. I don't want to, you know, pile on too much on the guy, but I mean, he admitted it. I mean, he said it. He came out and said it. it's not like it, it's it's out there now, but it's just. I feel like in a in maybe it's uh, two weeks from now, maybe it's today. Who knows? Maybe it's a year from now, ten years down the line, and when if he doesn't win back the titles, he's going to realize that he squandered a huge opportunity. So many people looked up to him. Uh, you know, you're of, of Mexican uh, Mexican heritage. I mean, what he meant to the Mexican community, and for him to come out and, and just be like that's got to be. You know, what was the what is the Mexican? What do you think the Mexican community will, will, will say about him? Well, before I, I kind of touch on that, I want to I want to just tell you when he'll realize it. He won't realize it right away because he's still indulging in the fact that he became a, he he rationalized. Well, wait a minute. 
I made $14, 15000000 million when I was living in my mom's basement. I won the world title. I became the first Mexican champion. But for a long time, he's going he's gonna to feel, he's gonna feel okay because the money's going to be there to right. bandage the wounds, and that'll be all right. He's going to realize it when he has his uh, first fight and what he's going to get paid for that first fight and against one opponent. So normally his first fight back is going to be a tough opponent for low money or it's going to be a nobody for no money. So either way, the money's going to give him a, a, a reality check. And then after that, the second and third fight, he's going to be like, and then I sure blew this. What You know, I had the world at the palm of my hand, and I just couldn't put partying aside. So there's going to put, you know, two things are going to happen, Dan. He's going to come back hungrier than ever, no pun intended, <laughs> hungry as far yeah. as wanting to fucking prove that this is what I could have done, and he'll get back to the title, or he's going to slowly disappear into oblivion and just get fat and happy. I I think he'll be back. I do think he'll be back. And, you know, when he won the title, he was the most relatable heavyweight champion in the world. He crossed over, not just into sports fans, just into every everyday life. I mean, he was all over Instagram. He was all over uh, the non-sports Instagram accounts just because he was a fat guy who won a heavyweight title versus an Adonis. I think that him admitting to partying and admitting to spending money, which all of us would have done, every normal Joe on the street would have done the same thing, only, I think, makes him even more relatable. I think, you know, given how America loves the comeback, I think that would be right behind him. It's going to be really interesting to see. I agree with you. Yeah, right? I mean, and you know what, especially with Latino fans, man, not for nothing, you know, especially with the Raza, you know, I I could speak for that. They they'll give you a second chance if you have that if you have that that Mexican style and they can relate with you and be like hey man you know he went he went on a, a, a he was partying he was drinking he was celebrating eating, eating too much this and that all right let him come back and throw some chingasas you know I'll, I'll go play, <laughs> see him again so he comes exactly. back knocks out a couple guys they'll support him again man that's just that's just how our people are man they'll support they'll support you if you if you come back serious and start knocking dudes out and and, and you relate you're relatable. And, and you still represent, yeah, man. They'll 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 back you all the way. Yeah, he can bang, and people want to. They want to. They want to see uh, heavyweights that can throw punches and, and give knockouts. I think that Ruiz. I mean, it's up to him, really. It's gonna be interesting these next couple of weeks and and months to see how he comes back. Everything, Sergio. You're the man. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I, I know that it's been a long day of tra- uh, traveling, a couple of days of traveling. What's next? You got Indio. I feel like any trip now that you go on for the zone is going to be like nothing compared to what you just endured. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're right, man. Um, but anytime you're with Todd Grisham, it's fun. So uh, Indio with Todd Grisham this Saturday and then uh, Phoenix for uh, Jacobs and Chavez in, in uh, Arizona. Then you get a nice little break for the new year. We come back 2020. I know I think it's a Miami trip in there. It's going to be fun. That's going to be really and fun. Then, and then we're going to do the Super Bowl. And then, uh, yeah, two shows in Miami. I mean, two shows in January. And then uh, we continue the year, man. But, uh, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's a blessing. It's, it's, hard. it's a lot of hard work, but it's a lot of fun as well. And I work with amazing people, man. And, and, and that's the best thing right there. It's who you want to – who do you want to spend your time with working? And I, I work with amazing people that are fun and work hard. Even Chris Maddox? Nah, fuck that guy. <laughs> Love it. All right, Sergio, you're the man. Thank you for joining us here. I appreciate it. I'll see you soon, man. You got it, man. That is a wrap here from Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Thank you to the staff here for, for hosting us uh, as they do every year right around Christmas. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Special thanks to our guest, Mick Conlon, for coming in, and Mr. Lennox Lewis for calling in. We'll be back right before New Year's Eve with a special year-end, a special decade end show with Mr. Curran Body at the Standing 8 Camp. We'll be back. And look for me this weekend at Madison Square Garden for their big triple header uh, from the Garden. I'll be reporting all week long. We'll see you next time here from Inside Boxing Live.